man, and even to chat with us as a leadership team, I was battling in my head. Shouldn't we be preaching something, something more current? Something related to the pandemic that we all have been experiencing and living the, with the consequences of. But we as a leadership, when we prayed and chatted more, without undermining the importance of what the other churches might do, what the other communities would do, we felt for ourselves very convinced that we should continue doing, going through our Renewal 2020 series. I believe God is doing something in our physical isolation. He's taking away all the distractions and almost forcing us, though in a gentle way, to focus on him. And we as a community don't want to miss what he's doing. We are, we are here to see the vision of God made known across London and the nations. We are still, the vision is still in front of us, as Daniel says, the vision, vision is still the same. We are here to, to, to see the glory of God made known, made known across London and the nations. And we want to see his disciples made, who are pressing into, uh, into his presence and pursuing the presence of God. And the topic today that we would be looking at fasting is one of the building blocks of, of making such disciples. So open your Bible with me to uh, Matthew chapter 6. In the last few weeks, we have looked at what Jesus said about giving, how to give and how not to give, and about prayer, how to pray and how not to pray. And today, we would be looking at the third example that Jesus talks about, how to fast and how not to fast. And interestingly enough, being a former Muslim, I was taught that giving, praying and fasting are three of the five pillars of Islam. And most of the world religions are outside in religions, meaning they focus on our, on our outer works and the things you have to do in the hope that by doing those good works, your inner character, your heart would change and be approved by God. But the Christian faith, which is completely opposite, is inside out faith to the very core, meaning the Bible teaches that we as mankind are corrupt in our hearts and God has to intervene and regenerate and change and transform our hearts to begin with. And we see the need of salvation. And, and when we see that, we are made a new creation by believing in Christ Jesus. And when that happens, out of the overflowing of being a new creation, there rises a desire for the things of God and the rest of the outward living. And that's why Jesus here teaches us to approach these practices completely differently. He looks at giving and praying and fasting, not just as outward works, but actually works of the inner man, works of the inner heart. What is really, he, he deals with the inner hearts, innermost hearts of, of humans. So the fundamental text for this morning remains the same. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, which is, beware of fasting. Be, sorry, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. And keeping this in mind, look at verse 16 and see what Jesus says about fasting. He says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces for their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that, you that they have received their reward. 
But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be seen by, may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. I think this is the best time to answer a very fundamental question to start with. What is fasting? So what is fasting? The word fast simply means to abstain from food for a defined amount of time. Let me just mention here that fasting from other things like social media, um, laptop, or even chocolates are all valid. But biblical fasting is from food. Yes, I mean, people living in biblical times didn't have the, the kind of distra uh, distractions that we have, but they did not, they had their own distractions and they fasted from, from food, which is so vital for one's existence. They didn't just fast from the distractions that they had, but they actually fasted from food. And thankfully that still has not changed. That still remains the same. Food is very vital for our physical existence and that's what we are called to do. We are called to fast from food. Now, there are different types of fasting, fasting from food and water. And this is not what we recommend for various reasons, medical reasons just being one of them. But when we fast on pursued days, the first Wednesday of every month, we recommend that you fast from food, but not from water. Or go for a Daniel fast where Daniel in the Old Testament ate only vegetables and drank only water. We would look at some of the examples a little later. So what is fasting? Fasting is abstaining from food for a particular amount of time. The second thing that comes uh, that, we, that I want us to look at and that comes into our minds is that are Christians even called to fast? Is there a command uh, that Christians must or should fast? Now, as I said earlier, we, there are a number of examples in the Bible of fasting and we will look, that, look at them in a minute. But even here in our present text, Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast. So very clearly, Jesus is not commanding that we must fast, but it's almost as if he is assuming that we will be fasting. We will fast as, as Christians. And, if, and as Christians, if Jesus thought about, this, about, about, his belief, about his followers, I think we can close our eyes and fall completely on his words, uh, words rather than asking questions, where does the Bible command me to fast? In fact, in Matthew 9, it's recorded that the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked, why is it that we fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples, they don't fast? To which Jesus says, can the wedding guests mourn while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Meaning a time will come when Jesus will be crucified. He would die and rise again and go back to the Father. And while his disciples wait here to be reunited, out of this desire of reunion with, with Jesus, they will fast. So as Christians, it quite, it's quite clear here that we are called to fast. Now being a former Muslim again, I was trained and taught to fast for, for 30 days during the month of Ramadan. But Muslims uh, fast very differently. In the sense, they have an unusual way of doing it. They eat a heavy breakfast before the sunrise and then a huge dinner after sunset. 
but nothing in between, not even water. And if I'm very honest, for me, the whole point of fasting for that month was to tick, tick boxes and to do my bit to deserve salvation. Whereas we as Christians know this very clearly that fasting or no fasting has no role to play in our salvation, in our acceptance in the, in, in the, in the Father's eyes. We are accepted by, because of Jesus, by the Father, and only because of his finished work on the cross. Our abstaining from food and from water, our staying away from, all, uh, from what we consume will not, will not make him love us more. There is nothing that I can do to make him love me more. And there is nothing that I can do to make him love me less. As our pastor Daniel says, he loves me because he loves me because he loves me because he loves me. So the natural question arises here. If it doesn't matter to my salvation, why should I even bother? Why should I fast? Now hold that question. We have still not answered that. Why should we fast? What are the motives? Let's look at some of the biblical examples and the purposes for which they fasted. Now Moses, he fasted for 40 days when he went up to the mountain to receive the commandments of God written on the stone tablets. Now this was an unusual and miraculous fast when Moses said that he did not eat or drink for 40 days. In Deuteronomy 9 verse 9, he says that he did not eat or drink for 40 days. Now the, other, the only other person who did, who did this is Jesus. And he goes out into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days and 40 night, nights without food and water just before the start of his earthly ministry. And so we see these supernatural uh, fasts, not something that we should try and duplicate, but something that we can look at and understand that there is something here about fasting and showing our desire, our desperation for the presence of God. David fasted in repentance and mourned over his sin. He also fasted for his ill son, which was born as a result of committing adultery with, with Bathsheba in Samuel 12, if you would read. Nehemiah, the Bible says, when he heard of the destruction of Jerusalem walls, he sat down and wept and mourned for days and fasted. He fasted for confession repentance and favor in the sight of the king to get permission to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Daniel fasted and prayed for understanding of a vision in Daniel 10. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Paul fasted for three days after his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul was so consumed by the powerful encounter with Jesus that he went out without food and water for three days, almost like sacrificed it in exchange of a deep relationship with the Lord. Church elders in Antioch fasted before sending Paul and Barnabas out as missionaries. And in all the examples that we just saw, there was a desperation that God, we need you. We really need you to intervene in the present situation. And that is what I believe is the undergirding reason, the very fundamental reason of why we as Christians are called to fast. It's to demonstrate to us, to ourselves and to God, our desperation for him, that we need him to move in our lives. And here is something so weird and so problematic and confusing and doesn't fit in my matchbox size brain. It seems quite frequently in the scriptures that just that, 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 that we just looked at that God responds in a unique and a powerful way when his people 
step out in desperation and choose to fast. God, God moves in these situations. God answers and moves in powerful ways that, we, that we, we see in the Bible. But when I think of this, an obvious, another question arises in my mind. God, why did you even create bread? And why did you even create hunger? And why do we thirst? I mean, it would have been so nice that we wouldn't be hungry and we wouldn't be, if you wouldn't have created bread, we would always be hungry for you. I mean, I mean, you, he could have done it anyway, isn't it? He's God. I asked him, God, he could have done, this, done it this way, without food, without water, without creating any hunger, without creating any thirst. He could have just kept us going. I was reading this book from uh, John Piper, A Hunger for God. He says he created bread so that we as human beings could understand and have some idea of what, of the son of God when he says, I am the bread of life. That we would understand what really bread of life means, who Jesus really is for us when he says, I am the bread of life. He says God created the rhythm of thirst and satisfaction so that we would have some idea of what faith in Christ is like when Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 6, 35. So one of the very fundamental, fundamental reasons, I believe, to why we are called to fast is to declare to ourselves and to God that we are desperate for him to move in our lives. That's the core basis of our fasting. The second important reason to fast, I believe, is to know what is actually inside of us. And when we know that, what is inside of us, that helps us to grow in God. Christian fasting is to test what desires actually control us. What are our bottom line passions? Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. He calls fasting a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who, who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So basically what he's saying is we cover up what is, it, what is inside of us with food and other things. And when we, when we stop the in intake of the very things that keep us going, things that actually control us, they start to show one by one. They start to show. And this has happened with me so many times. Nam and I were, we were in a courtship for 14 years before we actually got married. And after spending, spending that amount of time, you would think, yeah, we have known each other in and out. But you would discover a lot when you start actually living together after marriage. And so during the early years of our marriage, I would come back from work and I would feel stressed about everything around me and would go nuts and be grumpy. And Nam would look at me and she would ask me, what happened? And I would just go, I'm hungry. Best food, I'm hungry. <laughs> and Christian fasting actually does, comes and just reveals just that. If there is pride that controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. David in the Psalms, Psalm 35, 13, he says, I humbled my soul with fasting. Anything that is within us, like anger or bitterness or jealousy or strife or fear, it is, it, if it is within us, it will surface during, during fasting very quickly. But again, these are things that we can rejoice in. 
in the sense, I mean, knowledge of these feelings we can rejoice in. Because as soon as we know that these things are within us, knowingly or unknowingly, that, that these things are controlling us, and because we also know that healing to all these things through the power of Jesus Christ is available to us. That is why we can rejoice. That as soon as these feelings are revealed, are surfaced in us, we can just go back to God and say, God, what is this? What is this? Why am I feeling this way? Don't know about you, but I find that really helpful and liberating. Really powerful and liberating. That our Father is not looking for so-called fasters of the day. On the contrary, he is using this act of fasting, this act of worship to transform us into the image of Christ. And even now on our pursued days, maybe you start feeling in the afternoon like me. Maybe you start feeling, I haven't had anything to eat since morning and I don't want to be around people a lot. And I don't want, to be, I don't want many people around me because I, I would probably just snap. And these are real moments for us to grow in God and to be very, very honest with him. Take these as real opportunities to talk with God. And you can, I'm just going to give you four quick statements to do when, when, when these feelings sort of surface. Number one, let's recognize it. When these things happen, let's just recognize it. Okay, I am feeling angry. Okay, I've recognized it. Name it before God. God, I am feeling, feeling this way. I'm feeling frustrated right now. And ask God, why? Third one, why do I feel this way? Is there something within me? Is it, is it something, something that has been bothering me for a while? Is this something that, is, that, is, that has been with me for, for a long time? And when God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, he starts revealing these things to us, what we can do is we can go back to our Father and repent and ask forgiveness because he is the king of our lives and he has the power to, to free us in that moment. Take this to God and let God minister to you in the power of his Holy Spirit. So why do we fast? We, we fast to re for repentance. We may fast for mourning over sin. We may fast for looking for God's direction as in the biblical script, uh, passages, uh, examples that we saw. Or we, we fast for pursuing the presence of God. But at the core, we fast to demonstrate our desperation for God to move in our lives. So we've seen what is fasting and why should we as Christians are called to fast and make this a practice, a way of life. Lastly, let's look at how should, how should we do it? How should we fast? In order to understand that, Jesus tells us to start with how not to do it. Matthew 6 verse 16, he, he says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. And just a bit of culture, cultural talk here. In those times, Jews used to fast twice a week. Now, many historians and theologians agree that it was Mondays and Thursdays. And Jews believe that it, it was the teaching that, 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 G, that Moses went up to Mount Sinai to receive the law on Thursday and then returned the following Monday. So consequently, the, the Pharisees considered fasting on those two days and it was considered a special mark of holiness for them. But also it so happened that those two days were the busiest days for the market. 
for the marketplace and for them to show their holiness uh, in the market to, to the crowd around. They would walk with their gloomy faces wearing sackcloth and ashes and to put up a show and to be seen by the crowd to receive their praises. And that's why Jesus mentions it not once, but three times in this passage. Don't give as the hypocrites give. Don't pray as the hypocrites pray. Don't fast as the hypocrites fast. But I found asking this question to myself, why are they being called hypocrites? Because they're only showing what they're doing, isn't it? They're fasting and they're showing that they're fasting. As Jesus himself says in the previous chapter, uh, Matthew 5, he says, let your light shine before others and, and when people see your good works, they will glorify your father in heaven. I mean, come on, Jesus, make up your mind. What are you saying? Should we, should we shine for others? Should we not shine? Are we supposed to hide it? Are we supposed to show it? What do we do? Jesus is actually calling them hypocrites because outwardly, they are claiming that they are fasting to please God. But inwardly, the way that they are fasting, the practicing fasting is, is really to just receive praises from men and women around them. To be seen by men and women in the marketplace. And in addition to all of this gloomy and disfigured face, if they would have, they would be holding a placard saying, I am looking for your praises, I'm sure they wouldn't be called hypocrites because, because this is what, this is what they're showing. I'm looking for your praises, men and women, and this is what they would get. Then they wouldn't be hypocrites, but they're being called hypocrites because they are actually showing that God, we are fasting for you, but inwardly, they're actually fasting for praises from men. And it's so easy to fall for these things. I have, I have fallen for it. The sweet pleasure of scratching the right itch. Suppose if I, I have decided to do something good for someone, the craving to bring it up in, in my conversation with someone else, in some way or the other, just to slip that in, that, oh, you know what, by the way, this is what happened by, uh, with these people and, this is how I stepped out. This is how God led me to step out. And just the craving of mentioning this in the conversations to, to be, to be self-praise. And yeah, you get the point. A.B. Bruce, again, Scottish ch churchman and theologian, he says, show when you are tempted to hide and hide when you are tempted to show. Meaning, Check what is going on in your heart. Would you like people to know that you are praying for them so that they, th they may think well of you? Or would I like to tell people of my spiritual steps in order to gain their praise? Because Jesus says, if that's what you're looking for, then you have received your reward in full. That's really straightforward, isn't it? I was looking for praises from my leadership team. And that's why I spoke to them about the hours that I've been putting into prayer and the number of people that I've been praying for and the stick notes on my wall and this and that. They were all impressed and they praised me for that. I was looking for that. I've received that. Jesus says, you've received your reward in full. But Jesus says, this is not what I'm calling you for. He says, I'm calling you to do this. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Meaning, Jesus says, act normally and do not call attention to yourself. A little bit of cultural talk. The anointing of the head was the standard grooming practice in those days. Oil was poured out, poured, 
put on the head so that a person would look better. Often the oil would be slightly scented and act like a perfume. The face would be shaved, would be washed to give a clean, fresh appearance. I remember that the streets in those days were quite dusty and in that place, and a person would get dirty a lot faster than what we do with our paved streets and sidewalks. When you fast, do all your normal grooming and put on your normal clothes and just, just look normal, basically. That's what Jesus is telling us uh, during fasting. At the same time, Jesus is not telling us that we have to make special effort to, to ensure that no one should know that we are fasting. You're not trying to hide anything. Just to dress normal and look normal. So we do not proclaim to others that we are fasting, we are fasting, and neither do we hide it. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he, he said something very helpful here. He said, in order to avoid looking sad, don't put a grin on your face. Forget about your face. Forget about yourself. Forget about all the people all together around you. Your concentration is to be on God. Concentration to be on God. That's, that's how he tell, Jesus tells us to fast. Now, one last point to make. He also says at the end, he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, what is this reward from the father that Jesus talks about? The Bible seems to be talking about the rewards a lot. Just to clarify again, we know that the reward of fasting is not salvation. It's not salvation because salvation is a gift. And remember, fasting or not fasting has nothing to do with salvation. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2 verse 8. But just some scriptures about, about rewards. So what are these rewards? Jesus says in Matthew 5, 12 about being persecuted on his account. He says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Second Corinthians 5, 10, Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. Revelations 22, verse 12, behold, I am coming soon, Jesus says, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one of you for what he has done. Matthew 6, 4, so that your, Jesus says, so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And again, one last one, Philippians 3, 14, uh, Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. So what is this? What is this reward? Let me, let, let me mention this. Our greatest reward is not just the gifts that God will give, but our greatest reward is God himself. I mean, to live in his presence forever and ever and ever and never get bored out of it. And to keep living in this unending communion with God where there will be no sickness, no pain, no suffering because we will be with Jesus face to face. Again, in, in, Paul writes in Timothy, uh, he, he writes about, about, uh, about the crown of righteousness. He says, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not, and not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There is such comfort to know that we stand upon these 
solid truths, these solid foundations. Even though times around us are uncertain, we know that we belong to, we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That cannot be shaken. God has placed us in the city of London with this desire to make disciples of Jesus. Disciples who would run after him and pursue him. And we want to grow in this individually. But we also want to grow in this together as Trinity Church London. And so as Trinity Church, we fast every first Wednesday of the month, calling it the Pursuit Day, where we slow down from the fast pace of life and fast from food. Now you may feel, ah, forget it. It's not making much of a difference in my walk with Jesus. I'm not, it's not working for me. Forget about it. But my encouragement at this time would be to carry on. Because when years would go by and when you would look back to what God would have done in you and testimonies of his transformation in us, my hope is that you will be surprised by how, how transformed you would be in God by his grace. And this will only fuel us to press ahead, further up, further in, to press ahead more and more and more in God. As mentioned already, uh, in the Renewal 2020 series that we are doing, uh, during the Holy Week, the week of Easter, we as a community would like to enter into a three-day continuous fast, starting from the Holy Wednesday to until Good Friday. Now, considering the present situation, we would fully, fully understand if you, if you think that you will not be able to partake in it for three days. Let me say this. That's absolutely fine. That's fine. Feel free to partake as much or as little as you, as you can. You can fast for one day, for the pursuit day for, for Wednesday, and that's it. Or skip maybe one meal for three days. Or even skip a type of food for three days, like the Daniel fast, or however you want to. Or maybe not be able to fast at all. And let me say this once again. That's fine because of health reasons. You may not, you may not be able to fast, and that's fine. Some of us will be able to go ahead and if things change drastically or Jesus comes back before that, then it's a different story altogether. <laughs> if you have any questions with regards to this passage or the three-day fast or the pursuit day, feel absolutely free to get in touch with the leadership team. But for now, let me just summarize. We as Christians are called to fast and the core of our fasting is to demonstrate to ourselves and to God that we need God to move in our lives. We want to use the days of our lives to please God, not to please men. And, and we want to see his kingdom come in our lives so that when we see him face to face and receive that crown of righteousness from our King Jesus, we get to hear those, those beautiful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. 